Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. It's made possible in part by contributions from podcast listeners. Please consider making a contribution by going to the Donate Now tab at mpbonline.org. Thanks for your financial support. Welcome to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio, where each week we talk with creative Mississippians. I'm your host, Maria Zerang, Folk and Traditional Arts Director at the Mississippi Arts Commission, and today I'm talking with crochet artist Katie Clark. Katie is based in Madison, and she is an active fellow in the Craftsman's Guild of Mississippi. She also loves to teach crochet classes and make patterns for new crochet designs. This year, she was a, a participant in the Mississippi Arts Commission's Folk Arts Apprenticeship Program Program, along with her apprentice, Sarah Rose Govero. Katie, welcome to the show. It's so good to have you here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, why don't we just start out uh, with just an easy question. Why don't you tell us kind of what crochet is and kind of what you do, just like a real quick definition. Sure. Crochet is uh, making fabric with a series of loops and a hook. Um, it's similar to knitting, um, except that we use a hook instead of two needles, and um, we work the loops off as we go along instead of keeping the loops on the needles like knitting. Mm-hmm. And you also knit too, right? I do. But is crochet kind of like your main art form? Yes. Um, I'm in the Craftsman's Guild for both of them, mm-hmm. but um, I've developed my crochet a lot more than I have my knitting. Yeah. So is that kind of your favorite? Yeah. Yeah. You know, my grandma did both, too. She did crochet and knitting, and crochet was her favorite. Cool. Yeah, she liked crochet better. <laughs> well, yeah, let's actually talk about that, too, because that's a good segue. Um, Talk about how you learned how to crochet. Who taught you? Sure. Um, I learned my first stitches in knit and crochet at the same time when I was about 12. And my mom taught me. And she just taught me the basic stitches, um, a single crochet and a double crochet. And um, from there, I was pretty much on my own. And I learned out of books um, and diagrams, which uh, was challenging because... You know, it was before YouTube, so mm. I didn't really have anybody to actually show me. I had to interpret the um, diagrams in the books. Yeah. Well, actually, I want to um, – you talk about – I think this was whenever I actually had Katie work with uh, someone that, you know, we work with at Mac, uh, Lily Pearl. She interviewed you, and from that interview, she had s- said that, you know, you said that your grandmother was the root of all your skills, and I just love that. Talk about kind of what you meant by that. I really like the idea of tradition and heritage in crochet, and um, I found out after I learned from my mother that my grandmother taught her to crochet, and um, after my grandmother passed, I found a lot of um, crochet items, projects that she had finished, projects half finished. I um, inherited her collection of hooks, and so those are treasures to me. And I, I've noticed in other families that crochet is often passed down from one generation to another. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. That's great. I love that. And that you're able to kind of connect to your grandma, even though she didn't, like, teach you. She taught your mother, and you have all of her stuff. I right. love that. Did you ever finish any of her half-finished projects that you had? Um, some of them I've pulled out and uh, worked on a little bit, but I have a lot of my own things that I like oh, to yeah. do now, so <laughs> it's hard to get back to some of that stuff. But yeah. I have them waiting in the wings. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, someday. <laughs> well, that's great. Um, and then also, uh, now this, I took this when I was doing some research from your uh, apprenticeship application, uh, and we're going to talk about that later in the show. But uh, this is what you said. As I saw my uncle... A woodworker turned artful bowls and built beautiful dulcimers in the folk arts area of Berea, Kentucky. I realize what an honor it is to be a part of a tradition of craft that spans generations. Um, you know, you talked about your grandmother. Do you see a connection as well with your uncle and, and his kind of woodworking skills? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, when I um, learned um, about his woodworking skills and then from that learned about the uh, craft culture in Berea and the hills of Kentucky, um, I just felt a sense of pride and um, an immense sense of community with all of the um, other crafters in lots of different mediums that um, I was I was a part of, yeah. um, including my grandmother who just did it as a hobby and um, my uncle who uh, taught classes and was um, an integral part of that crafting community in Berea. Yeah. Wow. I definitely relate to that completely. You know, my dad was a woodworker. That was one of his hobbies. He doesn't do it too much now, but growing up, he did a lot of woodworking and, you know, my grandmother, you know, crocheted. My other grandma did a lot of sewing. And I've always felt that too, like, you know, just being a part of a family that's, you know, does a lot of crafts, you know. Um, yeah, I just think that's really special. So I I totally relate to what you're saying. Um, okay, well, why don't we transition to talking about um, patterns. You make a lot of patterns. Why don't you talk about what it is to read a pattern in crochet and, and kind of how you develop that skill to go on to make them yourself? Um, reading a pattern is kind of like learning a new language because you have to learn the abbreviations. You have to learn the stitches and the abbreviations that go along with the stitches. And But as you work pattern after pattern, you start to find um, actual patterns and motifs within the patterns. And um, you start to learn like the geometry of how the pieces are put together. And so um, you can start um, altering patterns yourself and eventually make your own. Yeah. Well, can you talk about that jump to when you kind of felt confident enough to make your own and kind of what that entails? Um, I guess I've always been kind of a daredevil because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, when my mom taught me initially, I didn't have a pattern to go by, so I was making, like, scarves and hats for my stuffed animals when I was 12. <laughs> wow. But, um, yeah, I, I made a whole lot of Afghans for a whole lot of people and just noticed that um, all the squares were made with the same patterns, uh, not the same 
math, let me put it that way, and the same geometry. All the circles were made with the same geometry. And so um, I just started thinking, well, you know, I like this pattern, but let me do this to it or whatever. <laughs> or, yeah. or I, you know, my brain started blowing up with ideas for original things rather than something that somebody else had made. And yeah. so my brain is full of ideas all the time, and I just have to pick and choose which one which one rises to the top for the next project. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Making it your own is way more exciting that way, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, okay. <clears throat> I also saw that your first pattern uh, was... You was featured in the spring 2019 issue of Interweave Crochet Magazine. Is that a big deal for crochet artists? You know, is this kind of a big platform? Um, yeah, just to be published. Um, mm -hmm. It it was um, one of my goals as a pattern writer to be published. Um, it, I guess it just gave me a, a sense of accomplishment and yeah. legitimacy yeah i guess yeah. oh yeah of course and so have you i'm sure you've made a lot of patterns since then are they available anywhere you know any do you yes. have any patterns you know on um, your website? yeah my patterns are on my website katieclarkcrochet.com um and so you can go buy them directly from there Oh, good. Okay. All right. We'll check that out. Um, okay. I want to talk about kind of the things that inspire you. And you had mentioned geometry of these designs. And, um, and you know, when we we're talking about your apprenticeship uh, experience, you had said that things like old video games like Atari or like, you know, digital kind of aesthetics inspires you. Can you talk about that connection between the digital world and crochet? Yeah. Um, I think Digital um, imagery is a big part of my inspiration because I have a graphic design background. Um, I'm a kid of early the early digital age, and um, I started playing Atari when I was like six years old <laughs> on the first generation yeah. Atari. And so right now I'm working on a pattern um, that's inspired by the Space Invaders video game. Um, but... More broadly, um, my my um, inspiration is really com a lot of computer-based stuff. Like um, my husband's into computers, and I find that a lot of my friends that knit are into com their husbands or they are into computers also. So I think there's a lot of um, crossover between the engineering and computer programming and stuff and the engineering in um, in crochet design, and it's pretty cool. Yeah. Wow, I love that. <laughs> that is really neat. And um, I also had read that architecture is also an inspiration for you as well. Uh, it seems very related to kind of this, you know, video game imagery. Can you talk a little bit about that? What inspires you about architecture? Yeah, just um, more math. When I go to different cities, I'll take, I'm not taking pictures of like the buildings and stuff. I'm taking pictures of motifs on the walls, on the ceilings and floors and <laughs> things like that because I see these, I know how these motifs can be um reinvented and expressed through crochet so i take a lot of pictures to 
for inspiration for future projects. Oh yeah, and are you uh, are you like are you into math as well then? Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a lot of math in fiber arts. There's a ton yeah. of math. I mean, like if you're just reading a pattern, that's kind of chill. But if you're designing, it's actually very math intensive. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I uh, took some weaving classes before the pandemic at the Craftsman's Guild, and I loved it. And I really had to get back into math. <laughs> there was so much counting, you yeah. know, but it was very rhythmic. You know, it has, yeah. it's sort of, you know, it must be the same with crochet, just kind of this active meditation, you know, like when you're, you know, crocheting, you're just kind of in the zone. Yeah, it, when you're doing the making part, mm -hmm. it, I do get in the zone. Um, when I'm in the designing part, it is very, um, like, my brain has to be on all the time oh, yeah. because it is so math intensive and, um, you know, I'm engaging left and right brain with the math and creativity and it's, oh, yeah. it's very, it can be very intensive. <laughs> yeah, no, it's exciting. Yeah, it's a great exercise. I think it keeps you mentally sharp. So uh, everyone go out there and learn how to crochet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, let's talk uh, real quick about some of the things that you make. You know, just uh, you had mentioned afghans, you'd mentioned some of your patterns, but is there anything exciting that you want to share that you've made something you're really proud of? Well, I really actually like to make shawls. Um, crochet does have more of a folk arts vibe to it. But I get really inspired also by the modern knit patterns because they're a little more um, classic modern styling. And I really want to bring some more of that classic modern styling and artistry into crochet through the shawls. The shawls are kind of like um, feature pieces. Um, when somebody makes it, they can show it off very easily and um so i i do probably my most um creative stuff through shawls oh yeah that's great and kind of more versatile too especially with mississippi you know oh it's yeah cold inside <laughs> hot outside yeah yeah hi i'm maria zarang you're listening to the podcast version of the mississippi arts hour the Arts Hour is a co-production of the Mississippi Arts Commission and MPB Think Radio. You can also listen to the show on Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at 5. To have access to all Arts Hour interviews, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio, and I'm Maria Zarang, Folk and Traditional Arts Director at the Mississippi Arts Commission. Today, I'm talking with crochet artist Katie Clark. Katie, good to have you again after the quick break. Let's tra transition in this segment to talking about your teaching. Teaching is such a big part of your artistic practice, it seems. So why don't you talk about, you know, how you got into teaching and, and when you first, you know, wanted to do this 
Well, I started teaching a really long time ago when, <laughs> in an unofficial capacity, um, you know, I'd be working on my crochet and I'd be like, hey, you want to learn? Come sit by me or whatever. And then I realized that um, people would pay people to learn how to crochet. <laughs> so um, I um, I got involved in teaching on in an official capacity through the Knit Studio in Jackson, which um, unfortunately recently closed. But in 2009, I started teaching crochet classes there and some knitting classes as well. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. Well, I, I'll, I'll do, I like to do my quote, so I'll do another one. Uh, this one is from, I think, your apprenticeship application, and I just love it. I began to see my role in passing the tradition of crochet to future generations. My daughters and really anyone who would sit and stitch with me. I guess kind of talk about what it means to, like, feel like you want to pass something on and kind of what that means to you and, you know, maybe... If you're teaching your daughters, talk about that. Yeah, well, obviously, since I learned from my mother and um, I'm uh, drawing on the heritage of my grandmother, um, I naturally see this as something that I will pass on to maybe my daughters if they're interested mm -hmm. or my niece or even my nephews if they <laughs> happen to be interested. But I, I feel like craft is something that is essentially passed from generation to generation yeah oh yeah totally have you have two daughters right yes and ha have they expressed an interest yet in learning i taught my older daughter how to crochet and she could probably do it if she had to um and my younger daughter i taught to knit and she's working on that but um n neither of them have really <laughs> hooked on to it yeah. <laughs> um but um i find that in a lot of my classes i've had students that say well my mom or my grandmother tried to teach me to knit or crochet when they were you know when when they were younger but they weren't open to it and then their mother or grandfather and grandmother passed away and um, and now they just wanted to learn to like regain that sense of tradition mm -hmm. from their from their mothers and grandmothers. So I feel like you know it may come around oh, yeah. later sometime, and that's okay. Yeah, there's still time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, well, uh, I guess kind of talk. Maybe you could walk us through a couple of the classes that you've taught. You know, in the past. You know, are there specific? Is there specific? You know, skill sets that's important to be a crochet artist. Well, you can um, take a class and learn from the very beginning. I teach classes from um, beginning crochet all the way up to um, design intensive crochet classes. Um, I and everything in between, really, anything you want to learn. Um, I have taught at regional fiber festivals, um, fillet crochet, granny squares, you know, um, which are both tra traditional techniques, but um, also some lace patterns and um, 
even, you know, how to lay out crochet designs on a computer program um, or how to design your own corner-to-corner Afghan or design on a computer program. So really anything. Yeah. So, What do you have any classes coming up that you can tell people about? I have um, a crochet camp class for teenagers this summer coming up. Um, that's July 11th through 14th. And I have a, um, a fiber festival, Fiber Fun in the Sip in Vicksburg at the end of September that I'll be teaching at, but I don't know what classes yet. And I'm waiting to hear back from some other fiber festivals to find out if I'll be teaching um, at some other regional events. But primarily, I teach at the Craft Center, and I teach um, individual classes. So if you want to take a crochet class, you can just email me at katieclarkcrochet at gmail.com or sign up on my website. Oh, good. Okay. All right. We'll check that out. Um, Well, was teaching, was that a skill set that you had to learn, or did it come naturally to you? Um, I I guess it kind of came naturally. Um, My mom's a teacher. My dad's a professor. And so I think that that that's a skill that's, you know, in my blood to some degree. Um, And I also spent eight years teaching art in Florence. So I honed some teaching skills there as well. Oh, yeah, of course. Wow. (laughs) And so what is it that you like about teaching? I mean, you teach a lot, so it's something that must bring you joy. I love it. Again, going back to the idea of just passing it on, and it brings me so much joy, and I want to see that joy in other people. I want to show everybody, you know, how cool it is to make something yourself, and it's I think it's very accessible. Like a lot of times people are um, worried if they're doing a fine art, they're worried about it looking right or something like that. But um, I feel like crochet and traditional craft is very accessible. Um, And so you can have it be as simple or as complex as you want. And it can be, um, it's just very accessible. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Well, let's transition to the apprenticeship program. So we've kind of mentioned this a little bit on the show. So I just want to briefly talk about what it is. Um, So Katie and her apprentice, Sarah Rose Govero, they are participants in this, uh, this, you know, fiscal year at MAC in the Folk Arts Apprenticeship Program. And that is when um, a master artist um, who has a very advanced skill set in a traditional art form, they apprentice and mentor a younger or more emerging artist, you know, like Sarah Rose, who has a an immediate intermediate skill level and you know Katie you're kind of working with her to teach her specific skills to pass on and kind of get her to that next level and often there's a passion by you know both people the apprentice and and the mentee I mean the mentor and the apprentice that they want to pass this on as well and I can definitely see in Sarah Rose that she wants to continue this you know Um, so you apply um, at the Arts Commission in our on our 
annual grants round when it opens March 1st. It's a $2,000 award for y'all to, you know, buy supplies and kind of have the time to do this and for you to put these classes together. Um, so that's my spiel about the apprenticeship program. We encourage people to apply. So why don't you talk about kind of first what made you want to do the apprenticeship program? Well, um, I originally started thinking about it because um, in the Craftsman's Guild of Mississippi, we have an aging um, membership, and I'm very interested in pulling in some younger generations to, you know, to start cultivating these traditions with the next generation. Um, but it, it's been super fun and um, a great time with Sarah Rose and um, I've I've known her all of her life but it's been really special to um, spend that time and you know have this activity that we have in common to develop that relationship even more and so I'll do it again and you know if anybody's interested in <laughs> doing a crochet um, apprenticeship let me know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, um, sort of, why Sarah Rose? Was there kind of a relationship? I know you said y'all been knowing each other your whole life. Um, did y'all ever crochet together or talk about it? Um, did she approach you to do this? Um, I approached her, okay. and, um, you know, she was all on board right away. Um, she's been crocheting since... I don't know, She probably, I don't remember what she said, but probably since she was about 12 also. And, um, you know, I've seen what she's done, and she has taken a lot of initiative in developing her craft on her own. Like she, you know, at like 15 or 16, she was getting booths at the... Um, craft markets in Clinton and um, she and her friend Bella um, wrote and illustrated I think Bella did the illustrating of um, a couple of books and then the feature characters in them Sarah Rose crocheted the characters for and so they sold them as a set at craft fairs and things like that and I'm just really impressed with their um their initiative to um, go after these large projects and um, pursue their crafts like that. Yeah, that is very impressive, especially at such a young age. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, she's definitely a great candidate, yeah. you know. <laughs> and it has been fun, you know, kind of getting to know you two over this year. And I went visit y'all during one of your sessions. Why don't you talk about, uh, you know, what one of those apprenticeship sessions was like between you and Sarah Rose? Well, we started out by um, figuring out what goals we wanted to accomplish. And for this um, apprenticeship, um, she wanted to develop a portfolio so that she can join the Craftsman's Guild of Mississippi. And so we decided on some key projects that would um, bulk up her portfolio and show a broad um, skill set uh, to represent her skills in her portfolio. 
And um, so each session was broken down into um, introducing uh, one of these projects and basically just starting the project and then a series of um, meetings for um, ongoing support and coaching through the project and, um, you know, final um, critiques of the project and and of course it wasn't very linear like that because we would start a project and then she would be working on that and meanwhile we would start another project and so she had several projects going at the same time throughout the year mm-hmm. yeah when I went um, visit with y'all she had showed me some sketches she did I thought this was really cool, that 3D train pattern Mm -hmm. that she did. Can you talk about that and what the inspiration behind that was? Yeah, that was super fun. Um, She, we um, wanted to participate in the governor's um, hometown Mississippi Christmas program where the first lady decides on a theme for the trees that will decorate the governor's mansion. And um, this year's theme was just to represent your hometown. So we did a joint project, sort of like she um, created a train ornament um, that she crocheted to represent Clinton. And I did the Strawberry Patch Chapel to represent Madison, and so they were both completely um, original designs. So, like you said, I had her sketch out her designs to begin with, and um, just do some planning on paper, and then um, we translated that into a 3D ornament. So that was fun. That was the first time that she designed um, a 3D item all on her own so it was super cool (laughs) yeah it looks really cool and hopefully we can put that up on the mac website later uh, okay so people can see hi i'm maria zarang you are listening to the podcast version of the mississippi arts hour the arts hour is a co-production of the mississippi arts commission and mpb think radio you can also listen to the show on think radio every sunday afternoon at five To have access to all Arts Hour interviews, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Do you drive a vehicle? Then you'll find AutoCorrect helpful, especially on Coach Charlie's Tip of the Week. Listen to our podcast with me, Coach Charlie Melton, on any podcasting platform or on the MPB Public Media app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. I'm Maria Zarang from the Mississippi Arts Commission, and today I'm talking with crochet artist Katie Clark. Katie, uh, it's good to be back after this segment break, and let's kind of continue with the apprenticeship program. We were just, if you're just joining us last segment, we were talking about uh, Katie's uh, participation in Mac's Folk Arts Apprenticeship Program, uh, where you... Uh, apprentice mentored Sarah Rose Guevara in crochet. So um, before we left, you were talking about the things that you had passed on and, um, you know, kind of how you prepared for the apprenticeship. But I want to talk about kind of what you took away from it, you know, as a teacher. Um, What did you learn from this experience? Well, since I've been teaching for so long, um, 
I didn't really encounter too many surprises or anything. Um, it was just a joy, again, to be able to pass on this tradition. And um, Sarah Rose is very young. Um, she's only 18. And so um, she's definitely um, hopefully going to carry this um, on and share it with even further generations. And I'm, I'm just proud to be a part of that. Yeah, um, you know, in one of her interviews with uh, Lily Pearl, she had said she wanted she wants to incorporate crochet in her um, interior design career, and I thought that was really cool. And I'm uh, looking forward to see kind of what's next for her. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, there was one thing I I was curious about too. Is um, was this apprenticeship experience? Was that different from your other classes? Kind of this one-on-one -on -one instruction. Was it different in the classes you take? Um, it's it was um, more structured than a lot of the uh, a lot of the one on one classes I teach. Like um, for my individual lessons, um, a client will just come and bring whatever they want to work on, and we'll we'll uh, work on that, or I'll coach them through a project. Um, really just one project at a time usually and um, this was much more intensive since we were w working on several projects um, and we had kind of a, a schedule and a you know a, a set of projects that we had to get done within a certain amount of time so it was much more structured than um, a typical one-on-one class that I would teach, which is usually much more relaxed. Oh, yeah. And you're also working on Sarah Rose's uh, application for the Guild. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. And she has turned that in, right? Yes. And we're waiting to hear back okay. um, about her membership status. But I I suspect it will be good news. Oh, good. Because okay. she's very... She's very talented. Oh, good. Well, our, our fingers are crossed. And I guess... You know, listeners can find out from the guild. Do they announce the new members of the guild when they kind of bring in a, a new class each year? They just um, did the review on Saturday, so um, we don't know who made it yet. Um, but they they will be the first ones to know, um, and from there we will put it on our website and our Facebook page. Oh, good. Okay. All right. Well, um, there will actually be an opportunity uh, for the public to come out and learn from our apprenticeship grantees. So, uh, Katie, you and Sarah Rose will be there. And then the other apprenticeship team that we had this year, Brian Beckham and Martha Scarborough, they did a really cool apprenticeship in silversmithing, the first silversmithing apprenticeship we've had. And so um, you four will be there at the um, Craftsman's Guild Spring Demo Day to demonstrate um, your art forms and to talk about your apprenticeship experience so people can come and, and see what you've been working on this year. Why don't you talk a little bit about the Spring Demo Day because you helped put it on and set it up. Right. Um, Demo Day is open to the public and it's a free event. We do it twice a year, um, usually in April, March or April, depending on the schedule, and then again in October. And it's um, a day where our craftsmen just come out and um, work on their 
craft um, in basically in public so that um, everybody can come out and see what they do. It's very relaxed. You can come and chat with the craftsmen. Um, and some of them may have items to sell at the same time. Um, and we have our gallery right there on site where you can purchase items that our craftsmen have made. But it's a really good opportunity just to meet the craftsmen, see what they do, watch them work, and ask any questions that you might have. Yeah, and I am very excited that the Arts Commission is going to be a part of this with the Apprenticeship Showcase. We do a showcase every year at the end of the year to kind of show to the public, you know, what y'all have been working on. And I'm really glad we're able to partner with the Craftsman's Guild on this. I think it's going to be really fun because not only will you see the apprenticeship grantees, but you'll see all these kind of wonderful artists from the Guild, you know, do their work as well. And, oh, did we mention the date and time? Um, (laughs) (laughs) April 1st from 10 to 3. Yep, and that's Saturday. So that's a couple Saturdays from now. Yeah. Yeah, Saturday, April 1st, 10 to 3 at the uh, Bill Waller Craft Center. And what is the address of the 950 Rice Road in Ridgeland. Okay, all right. Well, join us there. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And it's free to the public. Yes. Yeah. All right, well... Actually, this is a good time to kind of transition about your work with the Guild because you do a lot of uh, work with them. Are you working with them on a volunteer basis or as a board member? I'm really busy with the Guild. Um, I am a craftsman. I'm also a volunteer. I'm there on Fridays from 1030 to 12. I'm just doing what I can. And I'm also a board member, so... I stay very busy with the Craft Center. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's a great place to go check out. You know, they have a really cool exhibit right now. Andy Bedsworth, um, this fiber arts exhibit that she did of of musicians. I, I went this past week to check it out. So it's a really neat place. And you, after you're done at the Guild, you can take a walk on the trace, on the Natchez Trace. Oh, yeah. We love yeah. our location because we're directly lo- um attached to the trace so people can access us from Ridgeland or from the Natchez Trace. And so we do get a lot of visitors um, worldwide, in fact, uh, to the Craft Center because um, you can just cross the boardwalk from Brashear's Stand to visit us. Yeah, it's just a really cool spot, especially in terms of nature, too. Just really fun on a weekend to go check it out. Um, Okay, well... You know, I wanted to talk to you about this. We are talking about this on the break, and then I also kind of uh, just know this about you from doing my research. But um, you were talking about the collection of yarn that you have. And there's a special term. What is that term that crochet artists call it? Okay, so fiber artists like to collect yarn just um, sometimes just to look at. And um, when you have a certain amount of yarn... You call it your stash beyond life expectancy. And so I think I've got it. (laughs) And I'm still collecting. So don't tell my husband. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I hope he doesn't listen to the show. (laughs) 
Well, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like book readers, too, right? Every time you go in a bookstore, you buy a book, and then you have, like, ten on the shelf that right. you haven't read yet. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, that's being a collector, you know, passionate about something. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Well, um, what is your favorite yarn to work with? Is there a certain type? I really like um, independent dyers um, because that's a whole separate artistry unto itself and so we have a lot of um we have a lot of dyer yarn dyers um regionally so there's um gems lux fibers in vicksburg there's holly dye works on the coast um there's forbidden fibers in memphis and um at the local yarn shops like the southern needle in ridgeland um you can go and get a lot of different um indie dyed yarns and it's just small batch hand dyed um, colorways that you can't get from um, a commercial manufacturing process. Wow that's awesome that's so good to know that we have so many local yarn dyers in the region. Yeah I love that. Now are those kind of reserved for special projects just because of the the time it takes to Go, that goes into making that yarn? Um, they are special, um, not because they are hand, hand-dyed, original, one-of-a-kind. Even if you get the same color, it's not going to be necessarily the same color as the next one. And um, and the fiber is usually a finer fiber that, than what you can get at a big box store. Um, a lot of what I use is merino wool, which is a really soft wool, not that scratchy grandmother's wool or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are the ones that I like to use for my shawl designs because those are more art pieces, I think. Than, mm-hmm. I mean, wearable art pieces, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, are there any, like, do you have any favorite colors that you like to use when you crochet? I like blues and cool color palettes and neutrals but um i know that uh, there's a lot of people with a lot of opinions about yarn colors so i try and um, design things with a variety of colors to appeal to a lot of different people oh okay (laughs) yeah well what are some of those opinions it seems like is it kind of controversial or oh no it's not controversial (laughs) but you know Mm. i i wear a lot of blue Mm -hmm. and uh you know some people may wear a lot of pink or orange or something like that. So it's it's just personal, a lot of personal preference. So. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you about something. Uh, Katie and I actually saw each other last week. Uh, it was Arts Day at the Capitol, and Katie came uh, in support of Mac. And you had made this beautiful. It was a shawl, right, that you were wearing. Oh yeah. And I noticed that you had this gem kind of attached to it. And I thought that was so cool. And I wanted to ask you if you incorporate like jewelry or, you know, kind of uh, metal work on your, you know, pieces as well. I have a few patterns that um, incorporate beads. Um, One of them is Let the Good Times Roll. You can get that on my website. And that was a pattern I designed for Fiber Fun in the Sip a few years ago. Um, But I don't usually do that that was actually more a functional design choice because i wanted something to weigh 
way down that corner of the shawl to keep it from falling off while you're wearing it. So um, it just it was a nice a nice um, glittery touch, yeah. but it served a functional purpose as well. Oh yeah, no, and I love that the juxtaposition of like you know metal and jewelry work, and then like you know fiber and then metal weaving you know yeah it just looks so cool but uh unfortunately uh that's all the time we have today i wish we could keep talking i've really had a great time with you today katie uh real quick where can people find you facebook instagram katie clark crochet on facebook and instagram um email at katie clark crochet at gmail.com and katie clark crochet.com for my website Thanks for listening to this MPB Think Radio podcast. MPB depends on support from listeners, so if you can, please contribute today at mpbonline.org. Hi, I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing a doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere.